This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, a special program examining the cultural importance of telenovelas and the rise, and perhaps fall, of a new subgenre called the narco-novella. But first, Kurt Devine is here with this week's review of news from around Latin America. With the elections in the U.S. over, immigration could soon be the debate embroiling Washington. Colin Campbell reports on where the debate on immigration is headed. President Barack Obama held a press conference this week and called on Congress to seize the moment to begin tackling comprehensive immigration reform. My expectation is is that we get a bill uh, introduced and we begin the process uh, in Congress very soon after my inauguration. Uh, And in fact, some conversations, I think, are already beginning to take place among senators and congressmen and my staff about uh, what would this look like. The president went on to list items he'd like the reform bill to address, including continued efforts to keep the borders secure and penalties for companies that hire illegal workers. The president also doubled down on his support for the DREAM Act, a bill that would provide a pathway to citizenship for children of undocumented immigrants who were brought to the country illegally as minors. The president's push on immigration comes a week after a record number of Latinos voted. Exit polls showed that President Obama hauled in 71% of the Latino vote, while Governor Mitt Romney nabbed a meager 27%. The Republicans' poor showing among the Latino community has forced the party to re-examine some of its hardline policy stances. Over the past week, several Republican politicians have walked back from the party's platform and conveyed a willingness to work with President Obama and the Democrats to push an immigration reform bill through Congress. Reporting for Latin Pulse, I'm Colin Campbell. Analysts in Washington, D.C. say Latino voters will increasingly influence U.S. elections and policies for years to come. While many have suggested President Obama won re-election by attracting more than 71 percent of the Latino population, some commentators believe this will lead to more immigration reform. Senior associate of the Inter-American Dialogue, Manuel Orozco, spoke about this growing influence. The fact of the matter is that uh, this population has been growing not only in numbers, but also uh, has been forging a political capital over the past five years, uh, not only since the debate of uh, of the DREAM Act, but before. The question mark is, are we ready for salsa? The number of Latinos eligible to vote could increase from 12 million to 40 million in the next two decades. With presidential inaugurals just ahead in both the U.S. and Mexico, Mexico's ambassador in Washington, D.C. is talking about expectations for bilateral relations. Zach Cohen attended the ambassador's presentation in Washington, D.C., and here is his report. Mexico's ambassador to the United States, Arturo Sarocan, said this week that legalization of recreational marijuana in Colorado and Washington state would not change the Mexican government's drug policy, and it presents a public relations challenge to continue to support the drug war. He also said that the trans-border trade of marijuana would only be affected if the two states were able to make and sell pot to the rest of the country. Whoever thinks that legalization per se is the answer to violence in Mexico is absolutely wrong. Yes, it could change the dynamics of the trade in Mexico, but remember one thing. If it were true that Mexican organized crime derives more than 20% of its profits from marijuana, 
just think ahead. If you, legal, if you suddenly legalize marijuana in the United States, nationally, forget about in two states, that's going to impact their revenue. Are they just going to sit down and say, okay, let's, you know, we're going to sell piñatas now? Sado Khan also said that Mexico's president-elect Enrique Peña Nieto's proposal to create a federal police force to fight the war against the drug cartels is crucial to future security. Reporting for Latin Pulse, I'm Zach Cohen in Washington, D.C. A new law in Uruguay will allow citizens to grow marijuana at home and in nightclubs beginning in early 2013. President Jose Mujica said the proposed law will help to decrease drug-related violence by undermining the power of gang-related smuggling. Uruguay recently legalized the sale of marijuana, allowing users to purchase 40 grams per month from state-licensed distributors. The price is set at about 700 pesos, or $34 per ration. Buyers must present cards with barcodes that record the amount of marijuana they purchase each month. Yale University returned to Peru the last artifacts taken from Machu Picchu by an American archaeologist. More than 35,000 pottery and stone fragments were transported to the southern city of Cusco, where a museum will display the best pieces. Archaeologist Hiram Bingham originally brought the artifacts to the U.S. in 1911, but Peruvian authorities argued the items had only been loaned to him. For Latin Pulse, I'm Kurt Devine. Thanks, Kurt. This week, we begin our cultural exploration of telenovelas with Carolina Acosta Alzuru of the University of Georgia, who joins us via Skype. She's written extensively about this cultural form and how it's different, yet related, to the American soap opera. They are like soap operas in the sense that you broadcast them every weekday. They are like soap operas because they are melodramatic. They are like soap operas because lots of people uh, disdain them. But there are key differences between telenovelas and soap operas. First of all, they end. The soap opera ends only when they cancel it. That's number one. And that has a lot of consequences for the plot and for characters. They are not like soap operas because... Actually, telenovelas are the star system in Latin America. The, Amer- the U.S. soap opera, you know, the, 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 the actors who work in the U.S. soap opera are stigmatized as being second or third tier, not the telenovela. The telenovela is the star system because television is better developed in average that the, than the film industry and the theater across the board. There are, you, of course, there are exceptions in some countries, you know, you can't say that the film industry in Mexico or Argentina is not fully developed. It's very, very well developed. But in general, the telenovela is the star system. And actually, if you look at the Latino actors, Latin American actors who have made it in Hollywood, they all come from the telenovela world. Salma Hayek, Gael Garcia Bernal, uh, Edgar Ramirez, they all come from the telenovela world. Every telenovela, you can place it in a continuum that is between two extremes. On one extreme, you have the traditional telenovela, which is called the telenovela rosa. And in the traditional telenovela, you have the Cinderella story of the poor girl. She's usually rural. Um, and she falls in love with the urban hunk, uh, who's a professional usually. There is a third one in Discord there, which is the villain. 
And she is the opposite of the protagonist, of the female protagonist. She is sexy. She is very smart, actually. And she's also urban, but she is, you know, she's really evil. That is part of the code of the traditional telenovela rosa. You know how the story is going to end. The characters tend to be... Um, tend to be very Manichaean in the sense that evil, evil, or good, good. And uh, that would be the extreme. There's always also, you know, the love story is also about ascending in the socioeconomic status. You know, that the children were exchanged, that a child was lost, that somebody is blind and now can see, or somebody is in a wheelchair and now can walk. On the other extreme is something that has many names depending on the scholar who, who, who's studying them. I call them, uh, like many people, telenovela de ruptura, which means the breaking of the mold. And on that extreme, you have characters that are not Manichaean, that usually you can see the nuances of the human condition in them. So the protagonist not necessarily is good, 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 good. She can be smart. She can be, you know, she will have um, something interesting about her. You can find a protagonist that is not just about that man. She has a personality. She stands on her own two feet. Uh, the evil or the villains exist, but they are more nuanced too. You can see sometimes they're not, you know, it's not like I'm evil just because, as teenagers would say. There is a reason for this. And the stories many times, this is the part that I like about these stories, is that the context of the story is important. In the traditional telenovela rosa, the context is not important. What's important is that main story. In the telenovela ruptura, you find the context which can tell you, which can touch on topics that are socioeconomic or sociocultural or even political. Um, I think the, the dichotomy of the, the woman that is either a virgin or a whore is still very much present in traditional telenovelas. Um, it's still the basis of the, of the main triangle of many telenovelas that are made, particularly in Mexico, in which telenovelas, there, you rarely have an original telenovela written in Televisa anymore. They just remake uh, old telenovelas that actually suffer from all these things. And so even though sometimes they try to, you know, be more careful about that, it's still there. I do, like I teach a class called Telenovela Culture, Culture and Society, and in my class I actually point out some of the damaging representations that are in many telenovelas of women that are completely submissive, there's a lot of machismo, of course, in telenovelas. There are, there's a lot of stories in which you will see, you know, men beating women and nothing, is, nothing happens. It is completely natural. I am completely against that. Um, I am against telenovelas that present women in uh, this dichotomy of the sort of the Virgin Mary, Mary Magdalene. Uh, bi binary opposition. I'm completely against that. I like telenovelas in which they actually are, uh, you know, the, the women are in the middle. They, they, they like real women. <laughs> and so, yeah, so um, I think machismo is very much alive in many countries, in, not only in Latin America, but we're talking about Latin America. Um, it, it, it settles, you know, in many ways. When you talk about uh, for instance, something like feminism 
in in many Latin American countries, they instead of understanding that feminism can be, you know, a way to equalize things, they think of feminism as an inverted form of machismo. Oh, this is about women just taking over and becoming like men. And, it, you know, in that um, perception, you can see more of the subtle ways in which machismo works. Machismo is, is, is hegemonic uh, in Latin America, and it does, is weaved into the culture. Um, you know, I've had studies in which in, my, in the telenovela I'm studying, there are characters that are evidently machistas, and they don't end up well. They end up, you know, either they, they have a bad ending or something. But when I'm studying the audience of the telenovela and I ask them, okay, identify the characters that are machistas, sometimes they can't identify them. And when I point them out, they're like, oh, no, he was just verbose. Or, oh, no, he's just like crazy. But they can't really identify them as machistas, which tells you how pervasive machismo really is. Boleros, rancheras, tangos come also from Latin America. I think the telenovela is like a bolero and a ranchera and a tango. It's about heartbreak because you know how a telenovela begins and you know how it's going to end. But the telenovela is really the, the, all the misunderstandings and problems in the middle. It's really the heartbreak. And Latin American culture, we actually dwell on the heartbreak. We're different from Americans in that sense. In the U.S., it's a culture of the closure, of the moving on. I've been heartbroken. I need to move on. Latin American culture is a culture of despecho. And we have that verb, the despecho. And we dwell on our heartbreak. We listen to music and cry with our friends because we, we, we have been left by our loved one. And the telenovela is that. So I think that that hook is something that should be mentioned. But then there's the question, why do they work everywhere else too? And I think it's because in a way melodrama is universal. I also think they particularly work in cultures in which you see economic up and, economic up and downs. And that also, you know, the telenovela has that. It is a Cinderella story in its most traditional form, and it's a hopeful story. So that works well in all those cultures. Lo ves, Marisa? Somos el uno para el otro. Para esto nacimos. Sí, mi amor. Bésame. But I have to say, for instance, in right now in Telemundo, uh, there's a telenovela called Una Maid in Manhattan that is based on A Maid in Manhattan, the movie. That telenovela is um, it's a telenovela rosa, really, but it has twists. And one of the twists is that the protagonist, she's not stupid at all. She's a smart woman. She takes charge. She's a really, actually, it's written, she's written like a... a you can tell they want to write a role model for the Latina immigrant in the U.S. And that I appreciate immensely. So there, I think we're getting better. <laughs> when we come back, two experts discuss the trend of narco-novellas on this, the Latin Pulse telenovela special. Stay with us. Democracy is synonymous with independence. Independence is synonymous with emancipation. 
emancipation is synonymous with sovereignty. Sovereignty is synonymous with superiority. Superiority is synonymous with arrogance. Arrogance is synonymous with domination, and domination is synonymous with dictatorship. Dictatorship always finds its way. Amnesty International. Learn. Indignate. Act. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. During one of this program's trips to Central America, we interviewed Natalie Guzman at the Universidad de Centro America in San Salvador, El Salvador. Dr. Guzman is another expert on telenovelas and the rise of what is called the narco novella. Basically, I, I, I do watch them and I do sort of analyze them because they portray a, an image of women. They portray the image of the women of the narcos. They portray the image of the mother of the narcos who suffer because of their, their sons are involved in certain um, not very uh, trustable activities. They uh, focus on the image of the woman who wants to become the woman of the narco in order to have a house, shoes, coats, uh, dresses, jewelry. And, and they, they, they basically, it doesn't matter for me if they are, uh, um, you know, I, I do not only work or focus on narco telenovelas. I do uh, a different sort of telenovelas and uh, soaps and all that and movies. However, since this is the ultimate uh, trend these days, the recent trend in telenovelas, I have analyzed the, the Reina, La Reina del Sur. Uh, and I do it because of, as I was saying at the beginning, because they portray a certain image of women, different representations of women, which is another um, cat category that it's, I, I'm very interested in. What are the representations of women in different media or uh, you know, cultural products there. That's my main interest. And now we'll hear more from Dr. Acosto Alzuru at the University of Georgia via Skype as both experts discuss telenovelas and narco-novelas, including the very popular La Reina El Sur. I think uh, La Reina del Sur, which was a Telemundo telenovela from a year ago, is worth watching. I think there have been some tele many telenovelas in Brazil that uh, we should all watch again. <laughs> uh, the Clone, for instance, is an amazing telenovela. But also there are Colombian telenovelas, Venezuelan telenovelas that should be watched. The other problem is that or an aspect of this is that the definition of a telenovela is changing. Because for instance, right now, Telemundo is broadcasting Escobar, El Patrón del Mal at 10 p.m. And it's a series really, but you know, it is in the spot of what they usually have there is usually a telenovela. <laughs> So, is Escobar el Patrón del Mal a telenovela or not? Well, uh, not really. It's too short for it. It's based, it's a biopic, really. But we sort of um, consume it using the codes of telenovela. So, that one should be watched, too. <laughs> we could watch, for instance, 
La Reina del Sur, and we can read the book too. It's from a Spanish author, Arturo Pérez Reverte. Teresa, si ese teléfono suena, es porque ya me habrán matado. Bueno. Entonces corre. Corre, corre y no pares de correr. Y si no te matan, échate un tequila en mi nombre. Voy a cantar un corrido. Uh, you know, it was a bestseller. Now, when you read the novel, the literary novel, you realize immediately this is very cinematographic. So I thought it was going to be a, a film, and it was almost a film. But then Telemundo bought the rights, and they made it into uh, about 63 or 64 episodes. So for a telenovela, it's short. Telenovelas usually have 120 or more episodes. But it, you know, it does have the love stories. Uh, over and over again, she has several love stories, and it is riveting the way it was produced. It was very well done. So um, yeah, it is part of the narco uh, stories, but with um, I think it it because it comes from a book, it is very solid the way it is written. So why do you recommend it? Uh, because it is a rich cultural product. Is there is there something else to your recommendation? I recommend it because I think it's a very well done product. I think it's very well adapted to television for, for I mean, for the telenovela genre. Uh, it's, you know, the rhythm is fantastic. Many telenovelas go into these slow, you know, periods in which you feel that nothing is happening. In La Reina del Sur, stuff is happening all the time. Also, very well cast. Kate uh, del Castillo, is a fantastic Teresa Mendoza. It's also well cast not only in the um, actoral sense, but also in the sense that in the United States, the majority of Latinos hail from Mexico. And so to have her, who is a, you know, a well-known Mexican actor in the lead role, and to have in the villain, in the main villain role, Uh, Humberto Zurita, which is also a you know well-known Mexican actor, was very uh, a, a smart move because that's how you conquer the Latino market in the U.S. is heavily weighted towards the Mexico. What do you think that it says culturally about its image and the projection of what it says about women? Well, actually, it is not a traditional telenovela in that sense. The traditional telenovela is a Cinderella story. This is a Cinderella story, too. But uh, Teresa Mendoza is not a protagonist that is helpless or that is looking for a man to, you know, be happy. Teresa Mendoza is very much a powerful woman and very smart woman. So it actually breaks with uh, that sort of traditional telenovela rosa scheme of the protagonist that can be naive to the point sometimes of stupidity almost, um, virginal, you know, that she breaks with that. And actually those, you know, my personal bias is that those are the telenovelas I like to study. I like to study telenovelas that break the mold. Professor Guzman in El Salvador has other narco novelas to recommend. We can watch uh, Sin Tetas, No Hay Paraíso, which is a telenovela, but there's also a book. This is Catalina. No se acuerda de ella. Quiero decirte que me gusta como eres, pura belleza natural. Si no fuera porque le falta un poco más de gusto. You can watch Las Muñecas de la Mafia. 
the dolls of the mafia are, are they, they have a different name um, in, in in the books and they have a uh, they have a different name when they become telenovelas narconovelas i actually have a feeling there we're about to see the end of them you know in telenovelas you have these eras and i think we're about to see the end of the narconovela era the narconovela I think it's wrong if it glamorizes, if it exclusively glamorizes the world of narcos and narco-traffic. I think that's wrong. But as a context of a story, I don't see a problem with it, especially if it analyzes how a country is sort of ravaged by it, like the case of Colombia. Or Mexico now. Mexico now. But look at this. The, I, I don't think, and, and you know, this is something that is not just about telenovelas. I think this is about, in general, popular culture. When are we ready to deal with a painful chapter or episode in our nation's history? But the narcos in Colombia, I don't think it's a coincidence that now, in the last four years, is that we're seeing all these narconovelas and all these... Uh, books about it and literary novels about it. It's almost like now, it's not that there is closure, but it has been resolved partially at least to a point that we can deal with it. Mexico is not doing a whole lot of novelas on their narco situation. La Reina del Sur, which touches on the Mexican issue, touches because she, her area of uh, influence is really in Europe. It's, it's not a book written by a Mexican. It's written by a Spaniard, and it wasn't produced in Mexico. It was produced in a co-production between Telemundo of the U.S., Colombia, and Spain. So I think there's a point in which we start dealing with these things. I don't have a problem with popular culture dealing with issues like this. I think if they help to analyze them, I welcome them. The problem is when they only glamorize them. It has to be safe cultural space, does it not? It has to be safe cultural space. And I don't think the Mexican um, narco situation is safe at all right now. It sounds to me like the portrayals are all external forces working on women, as if women don't have independent thoughts. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that opinion? What happens is that these products, for instance, if a man has an idea, he clearly says, I have an idea. I, I've been thinking about this Truly, and I think this, I believe this. And when they uh, make women speak in media and, and, you know, in these cultural products, that sometimes they call it fiction, um, she says, I have something in my heart that tells me this. She, she doesn't think. She, she has this thing in her heart, you know. And she's, she's not a person who thinks. And the other thing is, um, whatever good idea she's got is not an idea. It's something, a hunch, you know, something that she feels in her heart. And then... She becomes a woman until men give her th- their being. They become women. Sometimes if you listen to the dialogue, they say, I became a woman today. Now I belong to this guy or this person. He made me a woman. Now I'm a woman. Now I know what it is to be a woman. <laughs> and all this, these things about you should get married. You know, you should um, clean up your act. And if you get married, um, you know, many things will be left behind. 
and you will clean your past. And, and these are dialogues that you hear in, in telenovelas and in all these media uh, um, products. And uh, I, would, I would advise to watch them to see and understand what patterns repeat themselves and what sort of uh, affirmations or um, um, sayings and dialogues do predominate and what ideas are more present in these sort of products. That concludes our telenovela special featuring Natalie Guzman of the Universidad de Centroamerica in El Salvador and Carolina Acosta Elzuru at the University of Georgia. And now a programming advisory. Due to the Thanksgiving holiday, this program will take a break next week. We'll be back online on November the 30th. Travel support for Latin Pulse was provided by the Center for Latin American and Latino Studies at American University. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org, forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook. Or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, associate producer Kurt Devine, announcer Victor Kilo, and writers Jordan Derry and Colin Campbell, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchen nosotros, gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bathtime Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions. Mm-hmm.